Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's get into the Word. Today is going to be interesting. I'm excited. Father, thank you. Because I'm anointed to teach your word. Your people are anointed to receive. Our faith is built up together and we grow in our knowledge of Christ and of his living word. I pray, Father God, that the eyes of our understanding is enlightened this morning. That we know the mystery of God's will. And we understand clearly from scriptures the truth of God's word. Amen. Yeah, so this morning we want to examine uh, a popular uh, subject, but it's a bit controversial, and um, uh, not really controversial, but they have several interpretations to it. So we are examining the concept of Paul's stone in the flesh. Paul's stone in the flesh, and you know, like we do it, I'll teach, and at the end of the day, you share with your neighbor what you learned or a new understanding you gained. So we're going to go through scriptures, and we're going to be diligent. There's a quote by my friend, a pastor in South Africa that I I love so much. And I'd like to start with that. His name is Cabello Charisma. He says, the goal of interpretation of scripture is to determine meaning. The goal of interpretation of scripture is to determine meaning. Okay? In order to ensure proper understanding for right application. Which means that when we interpret scriptures, we are trying to understand the meaning so we can have the right understanding. And with the right understanding, we cannot have the right application. Now, few things before we start. Number one, the Bible is a combination of books. The Bible is a combination of books. Alright? And you have... The poetic books, which is Job, Psalms, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, okay? And then you have the Psalms, then you have the prophetic books, and then you have the historical books, which are books that chronicles what happened in history, okay? Then you have the Gospels. Now, the Gospels are the historical accounts, of the life of Jesus but the gospels are not the new testament that's important the new testament is not Matthew, Mark, Luke and John no it is part of the historical account of the life of Jesus now what it means is that the scripture clearly tells us that a testament cannot start until the death of the testator That means the New Testament can only start after Jesus had died. And of course, he hadn't died in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, uh, typically speaking, the New Testament started actually in the book of Acts. Alright? But in the arrangement of scriptures, the New Testament starts from Matthew. But in the practicality of scriptures, the New Testament can only start after Jesus had died. Are we on the same page? Okay. If we're not on the same page, then come to my page. Alright, just saying. Now, the Old Testament is concealed 
and can only be understood when interpreted in the New Testament, in the light of the New Testament. So, without the light of the New Testament, you cannot understand the Old Testament. So, I'll give you an example. In the Old Testament, Elijah prayed and said, Oh God, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down. It worked. Fire came down. When Jesus came and the disciples said, Lord, we want to call down fire, what did Jesus say? He says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are made of. That means, listen, that was not the right application of power. In this dispensation, the right application of power is not killing, but loving. So when Jesus came, very important, Jesus came to interpret in accuracy what the Old Testament talked about. Alright? Now, that's why on the road to Emmaus, the scripture, the Bible says that, uh, talking about Jesus, that he opened their eyes and opened the scriptures up to them. That means that if you do not correctly interpret the scriptures, you might not understand the scriptures. So that means that the Bible has to be interpreted. That's very important. The Bible has to be interpreted. Now, you cannot interpret the Bible just the way you choose. The Bible has to be interpreted with the Bible. That means only scriptures can interpret scriptures. Are we together? Now, the Bible was not written in English. Alright? It was written in Hebrew and Greek. And then translated. So, there is the uh, limitation of translation in scriptures. That, that's why sometimes we now have to go to the Greek and find out what does he say in the Greek. For instance, a very simple example, the word love. You find the word love all over scriptures. But then, there are different kinds of love. There is Philip, Philadelphia, the city of love. Which talks about brotherly love. There is agape, which is the God kind of love. So if we read it just in English, we see love all over the place. But then, what kind of love is he talking about? The agape love of God is unconditional. Alright? So, just a bit, bit of background so that as we begin to engage this scripture, we engage it with an open heart. So, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, let's start, 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 see where we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse 1 Talks about The visions that Paul saw Okay But let's go to Verse 7 And lest I should be exalted Above measure By the abundance of revelation Okay This is where I was going when I was talking about The interpretation of scriptures uh, the classification of scriptures Now the, one of the most accurate Perspective of the new creation You can find Is find in the Pauline epistles Now what Paul did what Paul got a revelation Of the new man in Christ So Paul writes to the born again Child of God So there are statements you will find In Paul's writing that even Peter says They are hard to interpret Because Paul wasn't writing just to the Jews he was writing to those who are born again. Okay? So you see that every letter of Paul, he addresses it to the saints. He will say, to the saints in Corinth, or to the saints in Galatia. He always referred to the believers as saints. Even in Corinthians, where there were massive issues, he 
referred to them as saints. What was Paul addressing? He was addressing who they are in Christ. So, for you to understand who you are in Christ as a child of God, you must spend time in the Pauline epistles. You must spend time in Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, basically then 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians and all that. And then Paul had pastoral letters. What are the pastoral letters? Titus, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Those were letters written to uh, his protégés who were pastors. And then the book of Hebrews, which explains the old and the new covenant and exactly what God tends to achieve with both the old and the new. One of the dangers that came into Christianity was when people began to pick one verse of scripture and say the God Rema. You know, for instance, somebody would just say, uh, the Egyptians you see today, you see them no more tomorrow. And say, ah, as I was just praying, God just revealed that to me. And oh, the Egyptians you see today. It can work for the lazy mind. But for the one who is born in Christ, we don't derive joy from people dying for us to succeed. The love of God has overwhelmed us. So those messages can work and then it's easy to just pick one verse of scripture but then it's when you now put it against all other verses of scripture it doesn't make sense. Alright? So we must open our hearts to proper teaching of the word of God. Not just something exciting not just something motivational. And that helps us to understand God more. So Paul goes on to say that because of the abundance of revelations what revelation is he talking about here? Both the revelation of the gospel he preached when he received the Lord Jesus as, as his personal savior and got born again. He went to Arabia, spent a couple of time there and got the revelation of who the new man in Christ is. And in chapter 12 verse 1, talked about the visions and the revelations of the Lord. Let's go to chapter 12 verse 1. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So go down, go down to verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me. Verse 9. And he said to me, God said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in, in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Okay. Now, when people read this, three uh, interpretations have come out of this. Some people say that, number one, that Paul had... Uh, an eye problem. That this particular infirmity was an eye problem. And some theologians say this because of what he said in Galatians chapter 6 verse 11. So let's go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11. Let's see what Paul wrote there. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11. There Paul was talking about when he wrote to the saints. He says, see with large letters I have written to you with my own hand. So, <laughs> some people say, well, he had eye problems. So that's why he said he wrote with large letters. Which is, I don't know, but it doesn't make much sense. Because within the context of what he was writing, he was implying most probably the volume of letters he wrote. He wrote quite a number of letters. So he was talking about that. 
And if we say, okay, fine, that can be because he said, I'm writing, I'm writing large letters. The fact that somebody is writing, uh, his handwriting is B does not mean he has eye problem. It's just a choice of his own writing. So we cannot say that Apostle Paul had eye issues. The next scripture they use to talk about the fact that Paul's turn in the flesh was sickness is Galatians chapter 4 verse 13. Galatians chapter 4 verse 13. It says, you know that because of my physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of the Lord. Okay? Now, even as Christ Jesus. <laughs> now, I want you to observe something there, because people also have this, because of the way we have been raised, that's why sometimes you have to also watch the things you allow your children maybe grow up with or watch, you know. We all have an idea that angels have wings, you know, they, and they fly, you know, like <laughs> white wings are very fat because they eat a lot. They eat a lot of junk food. Well, the word angel, in our own concepts, angelos, we always see it as a supernatural being. But Paul says, look at what Paul says about himself there. But you received me as an angel of God. Who is an angel of God here? Hey, come on now. Who is an angel of God here? Let's read again. Let's read again. Look at it. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And my triumph, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject. But you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. You received me as an angel of God. So what is he talking about here? The word angel is messenger. So this will also give us an interpretation to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he says that an angel from a messenger of Satan was sent. So it's not something supernatural. Because the word angel here was used in reference to Paul. So when the scripture says in the book of Revelation that you are writing to the angel of the seven churches, who was he talking about? Who was he talking about? The pastors, the leaders of the seven churches. There is no angel, sorry to say this, there is no angel behind a particular commission. There is no angel behind this ministry. Because we are not to, we are not below angels in the ranking of God. Angels are meant to serve us. So we cannot respond to angels like they are so supernatural we are the one that defer to them. No, no, a thousand times no. We are the sons of God. We carry the DNA of God. We are God's heirs. We are heirs to the kingdom. Angels serve us. Are you following what I'm saying? So the angel of the seven churches were the leaders of the seven churches. Okay. That was free, free of charge, right? Now what you find, let me correct that before people go say I've said something against whatever ministry. Let me correct that. Or let me put that in right perspective. What you have behind ministries are predominant graces. What that means is when the Lord calls me to pioneer this work, there is a measure of grace on my life that when you are a partaker of this ministry, you partake of that grace. Paul says that in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 7. Ye are partakers of grace with me. Alright? So it's not like a supernatural being 
pushing the happenings of the ministry no but it is the grace that is vested in me which is part of the grace that is in christ that was distributed to men to teach the other saints to come into the place of perfection and maturity which you find in ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 downwards okay so this was one of the scriptures then verse 15 says what then was the blessing you enjoyed for I bear witness that if possible you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me now Paul talked about physical infirmity here and this is one of the scriptures where Paul actually acknowledges that he was sick that he experienced sickness okay but this is not to say that 2 Corinthians chapter 12 was referring to sickness so let's go to in Acts chapter 10 verse 38, you know what the scripture says, right? How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. So if Jesus was anointed by God to do good and to heal, how would he now send sickness to Paul and refuse to heal Paul when he had sent Paul on an errand? Doesn't make sense, right? Like, I sent you on an errand and then I send you something so that you will not be how will I put it? So that you will not be proud and now send you sickness to keep you humble. The one thing you must understand is that the primary way by which God teaches his children is through the word, the Holy Spirit, and the ministers that he has set in place in the body of Christ. God does not teach his children through sickness. Sickness is not a tool by which God teaches his children how to be humble. We learn humility by reading the word. We learn humility by following the spirit. We learn humility by listening to the word of God. Because if you don't understand this properly, you can allow things go on in your life and what will you say? Oh, this is my own turn in the flesh. Okay, so let's begin to go through this now. And let's, let's take this apart. God is a good God. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 11, he was contrasting between a wicked father and an, uh, an, an, an evil father let's go to matthew 7 verse 11 and then we start matthew 7 11 matthew chapter 7 verse 11 if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him so god is committed to giving us good things james chapter 1 verse 17 says every good and perfect gift comes from our father in heaven so God is not in the business of distributing sickness. That's very important. So Paul's stone in the flesh cannot be sickness. Because Paul was one of the uh, apostles who traveled the most. He had five missionary journeys. He spent five years in prison. And you know, he, their kind of prison was not this kind of prison. Right? I mean... It was it was massively crazy type of prison. If Paul did not have that physical strength, he could not have done all the things that God called him to do. In Acts chapter 14 verse 19, we found out in his missionary trip to Galatia, he was stoned and left to the dead. And when the saints came and prayed for him, he got up and continued to travel again preaching the gospel. So we have historical proofs that Paul had so much physical strength to be able to withstand shipwreck and all that. And somebody who was sickly wouldn't have been able to do that. So both historically and from a few scriptures we've seen, 
passed on in the flesh cannot be sickness. Now, where, where, where is the, the, the difficult thing there? The difficult thing there is the word infirmities. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 again. Let's look at that word infirmities. Because that's where the, you begin to get a bit of interpretation to that. If you understand what infirmities is. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's look at this. It says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, the word infirmities used there is, in the Greek, is asthenia. Now, if you have a Greek, if you have a Greek dictionary, uh, the best you can find is, is a tire lexicon dictionary. If you have a Greek dictionary, it's number 769. The word infirmities, asthenia, A-S-T-H-E-N-I-A, is number 769. Now, that word is used several times in scriptures. So what I'm going to do now, in the next couple of minutes, I'll take you through four scriptures where that same word was used. And you see that it never refers to infirmities. So, let's go to... Um, the, let's go to Romans 8.26 Romans 8.26 We're looking at that word infirmity Romans 8.26 We're going to go through four scriptures and see that Romans 8 verse what? 26 Likewise Hey guys put up the King James Version for me Likewise The Spirit also helps in our what? Infirmities. Right? Hello now. Come on. Come on. Talk to me. The Spirit helps where? In our what? Infirmities. Let's read on now. It says, Are you there? Are you there? Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our infirmities, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, if he says the Spirit helps us with our infirmities, does it mean that the Spirit helps us with our sickness? It, it won't work there, right? If we put sickness there, likewise, the Spirit also helps our sickness, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit itself makes an intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So sickness cannot fit in there. So the word infirmities there cannot be sickness. Who has the New King James Version? The New King James, what does it use? Weaknesses. So it uses the word weaknesses. Not sickness. Weakness. So in the New King James Version, they now have to work on that translation. So in the Old King James, you find the word infirmities. Now, when they were doing the New King James, they had to now go on and walk a bit on that translation because it was misleading. Because when we talk about infirmities, the first thing that comes to our mind is what? Sickness. So they had to translate it to be what? Weakness. Fine. Okay. Another scripture. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. Let's go there now. Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Talking about Jesus. So we cannot say that Jesus was sympathizing with our sickness. 
Will that work? Will that interpretation work for that place? No. What will work? Weaknesses. So we see the word infirmities there also is translated as weakness. Romans chapter 6 and verse 9. Come on, get used to your Bible. Let's run. Romans 6 verse 19. So we're looking at other places where the word infirmities was used. Romans 6 19. I speak in human terms because of the infirmities of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Now, the word infirmities there also is the word weakness. Now, two times we found one, two, three, uh, four, five, Second Corinthians thirteen, four. Paul uses the word weakness also. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 13.4. Just want to show you something there. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. Are you still here? Okay, thank you. 2 Corinthians 13.4. For though he was crucified in infirmities, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. For though he was crucified, sorry, in weakness. For though he was crucified in weakness. Christ was crucified in weakness. Yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. That place also, the word weakness there is the word infirmities. Then, Corinthians chapter 11, uh, uh, this is interesting. In Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 30, Paul list, let's go back there, just a few pages back. Second Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 30. Paul lists this. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more in, and more in labors, more in abundance, more abundance in stripes, above measure in prisons, more frequently in deaths often. Look at what Paul listen. From the Jews, five times I've received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked in night and day. I've been in the deep sea, in journeys, often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own country, men, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fasting, often in cold and nakedness, beside the other things which comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak, and I'm not weak. Who is made to stumble, and I do not bow with indignation. For I must, for if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. So, what things concerns his infirmity that he's talking about here? The things he just listed. Not his sickness. These were the things he considered as part of his infirmity. The shipwreck, the things he's gone through, just for preaching the gospel. You know, today if we are to say this man is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, what are the things do you think an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to list that he has? Well, I've got two buildings in Dubai. We've got a breakthrough in London. You know, we've got this, we've got that. But well, here, come on, look at the things that Paul was boasting about: the hunger, the stripes, the beating. I mean, all the things he had to go through, even in the hands of false brethren, he says, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in these things which are what? In my infirmity. Now, 
Is there a place in scriptures where the word infirmity was translated as sickness? Yes. You find it in two places. In Galatians uh, that we've read before about Paul, Galatians chapter 4. But you can also find it in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 23. So in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul refers to, uses the word um, infirmity. And in that place, it was actually referring to sickness. 1 Timothy 5.23 No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. So, that word there, because now it's, it's, it's good to get a, a proper balance of scriptures. Now, we found that the word there, translated infirmities, referred to sickness. So, in this context, it was referring to sickness. And the historical background to this was, uh, the water in the region where Timothy was, wasn't too good. So, it was giving him a lot of sickness. And so, Paul had to advise him to take a little wine, prevent usage, the usage of water. You notice he uses the word um, he uses the word frequent. Alright? He uses the word frequent. That's, it's consistent. So it's not a one-time thing. It was thing, it was something he was suffering because of, uh, the water he was drinking. So Paul had to advise. Remember when I talked about healing? Sources of sickness? I talked about natural sources of sickness, like if you take bad water and all that. So that was what was going on there. So in this context, Paul used, um, the translators at Use the word infirmities, but it meant sickness. So we found out that the word infirmities actually just means weakness, uh, deficiency, something of a lack, or um, a state of being weak. Almost like defenseless. Not necessarily sickness. Now another word there that can give us a key to understanding the scripture is the word buffet. Alright? Is that the same is this the same way we spell buffet? Second so, Corinthians chapter 12. Don't worry, it will all make meaning. Just give me a few more minutes. Everything will tie up now, okay? I just want to clear the main field so I can get into the main stuff. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go to verse um, and let's add the verse 7. And let's add the exalted above measure. By the abundance of revelations, a turn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest, lest I should be exalted above measure. Is that the same spelling for buffet? I'm asking him. It's the same spelling. But this is not buffet, right? This can't, this can't be buffet. Can't say, well, the messenger of Satan was given to buffet me. It won't work, right? It won't work. So, it wasn't like Satan <laughs> sent someone to give him food. Now, the word buffet actually means a blow. To blow, to harass, or to torment. Now, the, this is very important. If we understand the word infirmities, we understand the word buffet, it's easier now to begin to put things together to understand torn in the flesh. Okay? Right. So, in the Greek, it's number 2852 in the Strong's lexicon. So if you want to do further studies, all you need to do to understand this is to key in that number into a Greek dictionary and all the places where that word was used will come up. Now I'll take three, I'll just take two places because of time. It was used in Mark chapter 4 verse 37. Mark chapter 4 verse 37. It was used there. Mark chapter 4 verse 37. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat 
so that it was already filling. Give me the King James Version of that. The King James Version. Mark chapter 4 verse 37. Okay. Now that word bit there. That's what I want you to pick. That word bit there is the same word for buffet. To beat. It's, you, you know how, I mean, okay, this should be easy for you to understand. You know how you are in the local boat and the waves come and beat like, you know, hit the sides of the boat. That's what I was talking about there. That same word was used there. You can find it again in Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26. I'll check up the verse here. Where that same word was used. Verse 67. Matthew 26, verse 67. Okay. Now, if you use the King James, put it, put up the King James for me. Okay. They, they did, then did they spit in his face and buffeted him and others smote him with the palms of their hands. Now, that word buffeted, if you read the New King James Version, the New King James Version says they smiled on his face and beat him. So you see, the King James uses the word buffeted, but I mean, it might be a bit difficult to understand now. So when they were doing the translation, they used the word beat. So that's what that word buffet means. It means to beat. So in the case of Jesus here, it was actually physical beating. So we now understand that if we understand that the word infirmities means weaknesses, inadequacies and all that, and the word buffet means to beat, to harass, to torment, then it begins to make a bit of meaning what exactly is the thorn in the flesh. So let's go back and let's trace the source of the thorn. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Are you still there? Okay. Are you learning anything? Thank you. Unless I should be exalted above measure, verse 7, by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me messenger of Satan. Now, when you use the word of, it speaks of origin. Okay? Or well, that's where it came from. Uh, the son of Jesse. Okay? So messenger of Satan. So we have clearly identified from the scripture that this was not from God. Okay? Hello? This was not from God. Now we also clearly established that the word messenger does not necessarily mean a supernatural being. It's the word angelus. It can used to be it can used to refer to as a servant. So we can say that this was a servant of Satan. To buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. Now concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me and he said, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to deal with that on Wednesday. How is his grace sufficient for him? Now, let me see here now. Where do we go? Now to understand the word torn in the flesh. Now I'm going to read the scriptures and I'm going to ask you for the answer. Now if we want to find out what torn in the flesh means, where should we go to, to, to search for what torn in the flesh means? Let's go back to the scriptures, right? Because the scriptures can now tell us what it is. So one of the ways that we have tried to establish the interpretation of this scripture, and, and listen, this is open. You can go do your own study and come back if you have questions or something that doesn't tally. You can bring them up. 
One of the ways we have studied this now up until this point is to look at a particular word and see how it was used in other passages, right? So we did that with infirmities, we did that with uh, buffet, okay, buffet. <laughs> okay. Now, let's do that with tongues. The word tongues or tongues in the flesh appears significantly four times in scriptures. And in the New Testament, here, Paul's writing, but mostly found in the Old Testament. Okay, so let's start up with Numbers chapter 33 and verse 55. Now, this is the key of the message. If you were sleeping before, it's time to wake up. Numbers chapter 33 and verse 55. Because if you don't understand this and you feel, oh, it was sickness and God didn't want to take take it from Paul. God says, oh, your grace is going to keep you in this sickness. Then you cannot believe God for healing. If you don't understand properly, then you take everything and say, this is my own turn in the flesh. Numbers 33 verse 55. But, are we there together, church? Are we there? Okay, thank you. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those, those, those will be referring to what? Hello? Those will be referring to what? To people, right? Okay. Those who you let remain shall be what? Shall be what? Irritants. The New King James. What does the word irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sight? And they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Give me the give me the old King James. I, I just need to find out what the word used there. What? Oh, there will be pricks. Where is that? Uh, then it shall come to pass that those which you. Okay, yeah. So the word used in the New King James when it's written. Reinterpreted is irritant to irritate. How many of you have the New King James version? Okay. What other Bibles do you guys use? Jerusalem Bible. Okay. All right. So it says irritants. Now he uses the word harass. What is that? Vex. The old King James used the word and they shall vex you in the land. But in the New King James, he uses the word what? Harass. What does the word harass look like in the other two words we have studied? Hey, come on now. To perfect. Right? Because we said it's to blow, it's to beat again. So we can say the word harass also means so actually we can even say and shall buffet you in the land wherein you dwell. So turns here was used for who? People that will do what to the children of Israel. Talk to me. You need to talk now. You need to talk now. People that will do what to the children of Israel that will harass the children of Israel. Okay. Joshua chapter 23 verse 13. Joshua chapter 23 verse 13. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you. When he says, the Lord will no longer drive these nations before you, is he referring to the geography of the people? The people. Perfect. 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 They shall be traps to you, and scorches on your side, 
are thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord has given to you. So, who was he referring to as thorns in the eyes here? Please talk to me. Who was he referring to as thorns in the eyes here? The people. Those nations that were going to be against Israel that it did not drive out of the land. Two more scriptures. Don't get tired. Just two more scriptures. We're almost there. All right. Judges chapter 2 verse 3. Judges chapter 2 verse 3. Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. Who was he referring to? He was referring to the people. Last scripture. Scripture says in the word of two or three witnesses, world shall be established. Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse 6. Second Samuel 23. Not the last scripture I'm going to read. Last scripture on tongues. <laughs> okay. Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse 6. Second Samuel 23 and verse 6. But the sons of rebellion shall be as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. They shall be as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. Now, we have read four scripture where that same word was mentioned. So, after all of this stuff we've talked about, after all of these scriptures we've read, what do you think Paul's thorn in the flesh was? Or is? Be, be bold. <laughs> it's the Bible we read. What do you think, church? People that were harassing him from preaching the gospel. Those were the thorns in the flesh. And God was simply telling him, hey guy, if you're waiting for me to take out these guys from harassing you for preaching the gospel, it's not going to happen. Rather, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to give you the grace to keep preaching while they persecute you. Paul was talking about sickness. He was talking about the people who harassed him from preaching the gospel. Now, the word in modern day English is called a pain in the neck. How many of you know what a pain in the neck is? If you don't know, you, you will know today. <laughs> okay. What, if I say this lady is a pain in the neck, what do I mean? Talk to me, church. Come on, come on, talk to me. What, what do I mean? She's oppressing me. <laughs> She's harassing me. Right? Now, if I were to be Apostle Paul, and I like, you know, I have this maybe pain in the neck, you know, and I pray to God, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Would you say that I actually had a physical pain in my neck? No, you wouldn't say that. But is it possible for someone to read that and say, well, Pastor Max had a pain in his neck, and God says he should live with it. It's possible. If the person does not study. So, torn in the flesh was a literal idiomatic expression to refer to people that will harass you. So, we have a problem understanding it, but they didn't have a problem understanding it because it was a common language to them that even God said to them that, hey, if you don't drive out these nations before you, they're going to become tongues in your flesh. So, they understood it. They didn't have a problem with this. 
They knew that Paul was referring to people. How do I know that again? Two times because Paul also prayed. There was a particular prayer that Paul prayed. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 2 and then we can begin to wrap up and see that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 2. So it's important that we understand that Paul's thorn in the flesh was not sickness. It was the people that were harassing him from preaching the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 2. Let's read from verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it was with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. He says, pray for us that we may be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men who have no faith. Paul asked for prayers. I'll show you another thing. Go to Ephesians, First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse thirty-two. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-two. First Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse thirty-two. And don't forget that the source of this messenger was Satan, the only person who will oppose the preaching of the gospel is Satan. God will not send you on an errand and put an opposition on your way to teach you to be humble. God wouldn't do that. First Corinthians, are you there? 15 verse 32. Alright, what does it say? If in the manner of men I fought with the beast at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Evil communication corrupt good habits. Now, now here, when Paul says, I wrestled with the beast in Ephesus, what he's talking about? The people that fought him in Ephesus. Remember, I taught you that in, uh, when I taught on what? Uh, the whole armor of God. When he said, we wrestle not against principalities and powers. And he's not talking about Satan. And uh, we know when he said, we wrestle, uh, we are fighting against principalities and powers in the high places. I showed you that the word high places was used for elevated people in authority. What he was talking about was that he was fighting against those who were opposing the gospel. Let me tell you this. Demonic powers have never had the power to stop the gospel. The only people who stop the gospel are people. The devil has been defeated. He's been derobed of power. Remember what I taught you in Ephesians? We are not afraid of a powerful devil. No. He's just deceptive. And one of the ways the enemy is deceptive is corrupting the word of God. So in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says some people even preach Christ out of envy. Paul had massive attacks against him because whatever he was preaching was against Judaism. Even Peter couldn't even stand up for the word. You know, you remember in the book of Acts, Peter will go, when he's with the Jews, he will wash his hand. When he's with uh, the Gentiles, he will not wash his hand. Paul had to call him and say, hey guy, you can't live this way. And some believers are like that. They can stand up for the truth. They know this is wrong, but they won't preach against it. They go somewhere, they preach something else. They come somewhere else, they preach something else. I, I met a minister one time ago and he told me, we we're talking, and he says, I've taught you here about the anointing oil, right? I've taught you here that the anointing oil was only used once in the book of James and he did not say the anointing oil will save the sick. He says the prayer of faith. And I told you that oil was medicinal in the Old Testament. They carried it everywhere. So I told, so this minister came. We we're talking. I said, he said, well, the, the, the anointing oil is the Holy Spirit packaged in a bottle. I said, where did you see that? 
He said it's a mystery. I said no. That's why the word of God was given to us. Hey, come on. This should unravel every mystery. You heard it. The Holy Spirit isn't in a bottle. The Holy Ghost is in us. He lives in us. We're the temple of God. That's why I don't need it. Because anywhere I am, he's anointed. Even when I'm in the bathroom, he's an anointed bathroom, I tell you. Why? Because the, the Spirit of God lives in me. I am now God's tabernacle. I carry him. I'm his child. Are you following what I'm saying? So, Paul's turn in the flesh was nothing more than the people that were harassing him from preaching the gospel. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to deal with that on Wednesday. Because I'll tell you this, when the grace of God comes in contact with sickness, the sickness can't stay. So God is not going to say, my grace will keep you through this sickness. God does not come to keep us through sickness. He comes to heal us of sicknesses. So Paul's son in the flesh would never refer to sickness. Not in Paul's body, not for us today. What's Paul's son in the flesh? The people who were harassing him from preaching the gospel. Praise the name of the Lord. Have you learned something today? Okay, so you have five minutes to share with your neighbor what you have learned. And uh, you know how we do it? Okay, if you're new here, when we have a teaching series like this, we give five minutes where you can just talk to your neighbor what you learned. And uh, if you're sitting with your wife, it's better. You cannot see anything and she'll cover you. So <laughs> if you're not sitting with your wife, you are done for. That's why she'll go and get married. Okay, so but just share with yourself what you learned in five minutes. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.